This is a Cajun Mafia kingpin calling Hunter Romero. I'll be looking you up, fella. Hey there, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. Welcome to the first episode of Hold the Gravy. This is the first of its kind in South Louisiana. I'm your host, Hunter Romero. Thank you all so much for joining in. We bring you Hold the Gravy from the shrimp capital of the world, Delcom, Louisiana. Through this podcast, you'll learn from some of South Louisiana's most cultivated individuals how to improve your overall well-being. This podcast isn't about soul food. This is a podcast about food for your soul. Those who have inspired and continue to uphold Louisiana's culture are here to break some of those not-so-glamorous stereotypes, as well as enrich the true beauty of what Louisiana brings to the rest of the world. Hold the Gravy is an idea that was brought upon from this team that isn't about us telling you this is what you need to be doing to be living a better life. It's simply us having conversations with leaders and people that I think are important in this community and hearing their experiences and hearing their experiences behind what they choose to cook, what they choose to eat, what they choose to do with their jobs or their art or their music. You will hear a lot about culture and community on this podcast. On today's episode of Hold the Gravy, you'll hear from Wendell and Laurel. Wendell is Delcom's very own port director, and Laurel is the head nutritionist of the Shrimp and Farmer's Market. This has been a long time coming. We're very excited to bring you our first episode. You love our food, you've danced to our music, and you've paraded in our streets. But what keeps you coming back for more? And how can we improve together? Welcome to Hold the Gravy. Studio. I, I don't sound cunass at all. I think you got a good These voice on the mic. These mics are good. <laughs> it must have some kind of filter on it. Or... <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for for meeting with with me today. Finally, here the end of the dog days of summer. Well, you're not kidding. It's one hot one out there. Laura says she likes the humidity. I do not. <laughs> the temperature is about the same as Florida, but the humidity is maybe 20% more. Yeah. Honestly, in in New Orleans this week, it was cool. It was it was like a 85 degrees. Yeah. and It, it was, was low humidity right. um, this past week or so. Isn't there a hurricane on its way? Or we, don't get hur- we don't get those here. Yeah. <laughs> you speak uh, them out of existence. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, yep, there's one come headed to Florida. Panhandle. But, you know, it's 
par for the course. And Laurel, that's that's where you're born and raised, mm-hmm. Panhandle, Florida. Yes. Tell me about uh, the city you grew up in. So I grew up in a small town called Crossview. Uh, it's about 40 minutes north of the beach. I went to college out in Salt Lake City, Utah, and came back home as quickly as I could. I just love the beach. It's beautiful white sands, and incredible people, incredible food. Well, I thought it was incredible food, and then I come here, and then there's even more amazing food. Did you do some some skiing around Salt Lake City? You know, I tried a few times, but I found out very quickly that I was gravitationally challenged. And so I was much better with hot cocoa or hot tea watching everybody else do so. And Wendell, you are born and raised South Louisiana? Yep. Delcom, uh grew up at a place called Jefferson Island, which is uh, Iberia Parish, and uh, it has a, a lot of history. Uh, uh, it, it developed into a botanical garden, uh, so it was a great place to, to grow up. Uh, there was a salt mine there. It was on, it's on a hill. That's why they call it an island. And... Uh, and, uh, and went to school in Delcom, so, uh, and spent a lot of time in Vermillion Parish growing up. Uh, you know, back then, uh, they didn't have daycare. They had grandparents, so that's, uh, and then my, my grandfather was a rice farmer, so I loved uh, tractors and machinery and all that stuff, so it was uh, growing up at Jefferson Island and in Vermillion Parish was a, uh, a good, uh, well-rounded kind of experience. Absolutely. That's, what, that's my story. I guess since then, what what has the industry shifted to or what kind of pivot has Delcom specifically or, or some of the areas around it um, gone to now, you know? Well, Delcom has a long history of being a um, commercial shrimping town. Uh, at one time, there were hundreds of, of boats, and there was a half a dozen what we call shrimp shops where basically the boats would unload their product, and uh, it would be you know shipped out for processing. Um, and uh, in the maybe mid-'80s or late-'70s, uh, after the Vietnam War, uh, imports started... Uh, you know, the nation started, uh, international trade picked up, and so seafood was one of those things from the Pacific Rim. Um, and a lot of seafood, particularly shrimp, started being imported. And uh, it's it's imported at a price that is much, much less than what it can be produced for here. And it started to depress the industry. And also at that time, um, the cost of fuel started rocketing up, and it gradually just pushed out a lot of these family vessels that were, were shrimp boats, and all the shrimp shops went out of business, and uh, you know they just trickled down to, to hardly nothing. But the oil and gas industry prov- provided a lot of jobs for, you know, a lot of families were in the shrimping business, and then they could make a lot better money you know, going and working offshore and, and doing those kind of things. So that's kind of been the story is it, it, it there's also a, you know, a farming sector, but um, it's been mostly oil and gas and uh, kind of, you know, the story of, of South Louisiana, which has been 
oil and gas for a long time. Right. And and how long has, I guess, the Port of Delcom taken back what maybe imports and international trade has maybe, uh, you know, given people a different light of what kind of seafood they're eating or, or purchasing in the United States? Right. Well, uh, the port became uh, sort of reinvented itself after Hurricane Katrina and Rita. Delcom was inundated with, you know, 9, 10, 11 foot storm surge with Hurricane Rita. And uh, a lot of the 90% of homes and businesses were flooded. And so as uh, it took, you know, maybe nine months a year to, to come out of that, just to just to have people still residing there. And uh, the, the port wanted to uh, look into, you know, what, what can we do for the community? Because uh, we were afraid people were going to leave, you know, and the church and the schools and we're going to be decimated. And uh, so we got with the town and uh, we appointed a steering committee to see what, sorts of projects we could do to to kind of retain our our our, our population and uh, the state also at that time was sending out floods of these experts and we come into communities and we meet with them they would have what's called charrettes which is just a group of uh, of citizens with architects and engineers and look at the the landscape and say what can you do to change what you do, you know, change your economy. And so gradually I, we developed ideas. We, we worked with the town. And uh, like I said, we had a steering committee of these uh, five community leaders. And uh, we would just ask for help from anyone. We would talk to anyone. We would meet with anyone. We were open to all ideas. Uh, the universities were very... Uh, uh, good at, at providing information to us they were more than happy to come to delcom and tell us what we could do you know without costing us a penny and so we did a lot of that we had a lot of meetings with, with not only university with lsu with uh, ul they did marketing studies they did architectural concepts uh, and it just uh sort of laid a a, 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 a road map for what we what could happen, you know, and, and things we could work towards. And, you know, we, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. It's like, you know, what do we do best? Well, we do shrimp. We're known for shrimp. And uh, like I said, a lot of us knew, you know, we, we know who these shrimpers are. And we, we knew, they were telling us that, you know, this might be my last year doing this. Uh, I just, I can't pay for my fuel and ice, you know, to continue doing this. And they were selling, they would still, their business model was still to sell basically in the wholesale channels. Uh, but we knew that to make a little extra money, they would call friends and family and sell directly to them. So, um, so we decided, well, we know that's going on. Let's open it up to the public. Let's make this information available and, and see if more people would um, be interested in buying shrimp off the boat. And so we that's how that program got started. And, um, you know, we had this joke kind of 
going around, which was actually true, people were always asking, where can I buy, find some shrimp in Delco? I mean, we, we were so tired of that question. It was just, you know, uh, and, and even my own mother would, you know, I'd come home and she would have some, some fresh shrimps. Like, where, where'd you get this? And she would ignore me. It was like a, a drug deal or something. She couldn't tell her, you know, she couldn't reveal, reveal her source. <laughs> I'm your son. <laughs> and it's the shrimp And she would buy world. shrimp I mean, from off a boat. Wow. And he would call her whenever he would come in, like a lot of them would do. They, they built up a customer base just from phone calls. And so, uh, so we put up a website and we would post when a boat would come in and, uh, the shrimpers, we charged them a fee to be in the program, and, and almost all of them joined in. And uh, we started posting it, and in the first summer, we had lines of people. We didn't have a, a dedicated facility. We just used the docks that we had, and people were lined up on this wharf with ice chests. And the, the, low, the, you know, the businesses next to it were concerned with the traffic, and we had a different problem. Uh, but right off the bat, it was just crazy, crazy, crazy. I mean, and this was before social media, you know, so that it wasn't as instant as it is now. You, you have to know about the website, and, you know, we did press release and try to get information out. But it got to where we would just post a message, and the people would show up. It was, it was amazing. And I, I like to tell this story. Uh, and I was... Uh, we would have the fishermen pay their fee and we'd give them a, a sticker to put on their boats and they were part of the, the program. And they would go to the police station, fill out the paperwork, pay their fee, and then the, the clerk there would fax that information to me and it would come to my, my desktop, you know, my email. And um, so I would take that information and put it on the website. And it just so happened that the police department had their fax cover sheet had their phone number in, in large letters for some reason um, I guess it's important to them but I mistakenly took that number and put it on the post as the fisherman's number and this was like in the evening okay like eight o'clock in the evening it's seven o'clock in the morning the clerk at the police department calls me Mr. Wendell Mr. Wendell we're getting all kind of calls for shrimp like, what? what are you talking about? They're saying they got it off a website. I said, there's no way. But sure enough, I'll go back, and I had the wrong number. And it was just that quick. Uh, it, it, and, and it's still to this day, like on Saturday, we had our farmer's market, and you can ask Laurel. Uh, one of the boats came in with 5,000 pounds of shrimp, but he wouldn't be able to be there till 11 a.m. People were there at 6 a.m. lining up. And, and I'll tell you, it, it went uh, a good 100, uh, 100 to 200 feet. And they stayed there all morning in the heat. We had one lady pass out from heat exhaustion. Uh, it, it, I still am amazed by how bad it's like. I don't need shrimp that bad. I'll eat cereal and milk, okay? I mean. <laughs> so where do you think... I mean, I know you said after Hurricane Rita and Katrina, the the demand for shrimp and and local shrimp at that sort of picked up. But I mean, 
where is the rest of of you know the imported shrimp and and all of all of the rest of the seafood sort of even going if if that many people or are really knowledgeable of where they get gulf seafood mm-hmm. you know well uh sort of the po- uh, shrimp is the most popular seafood uh in the country by far and uh it's the most consumed and uh, 90% of all seafood is imported and it's really through the commodities all the institutional buyers the grocers the restaurants and and those brokers that deal in this in this product they always look to improve on the price point i mean that's that's the bottom line so um so are they buying it more expensive per pound when they come with their ice chest and or you know well, compared the, to frozen in in the grocery store i i it's worth it, but yeah. Uh, well, the the shrimper um, would sell to the dock, what we call the dock. We have one dock left in town. They might get at most a dollar a pound for their shrimp. They can sell it for three, four dollars to the public. And the public, if you you first of all, you can't find fresh shrimp unless you go and catch it yourself. Uh, and they and that's a bargain for them. So we get a lot of people that, you know, on fixed incomes or whatever. Um, it, it it's it's like the lobster, at, you know, shrimp prices. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Have, I mean, Laurel, have you seen this in your travels? Have you seen this in Florida? Have you seen the demand for? I mean, people waiting five hours, risking a heat stroke to, to get fresh seafood so seafood's pretty popular in florida on the beach where i was living in fulton destin area but it's more so like fish uh, pompano red snapper um grouper is very popular uh, sheephead things like that not so much shrimp uh, shrimp's really popular everybody loves it but when i met wendell the first time he took me on a tour of delcom and it Maybe lasted for five minutes. I was really surprised. But he took me to the marina, and that was my first time seeing a shrimp boat. And I remember taking a couple of pictures, and he kind of looked at me like I was a weirdo. But um, I was amazed. And there was all these like ships, and and they told me about you know people lining up to the parking lot, and I just couldn't really fathom. And so the last few markets, being there and seeing people with their ice chests and their umbrellas waiting in line in the heat for shrimp is just amazing i've never seen anything like it ever it's pretty incredible to see and now the new obviously since since the hurricane a facility has been built for these boats to pull up and it's it's pretty amazing to witness and you know i'm sure there's other parts in the globe that have something similar but i i really just can't from my own knowledge, put, put, you know, anything out there that represents what, what Delcom is representing for their, their sort of local community and their local culture to be able to go and get a couple of pounds of shrimp just right off the boat. I mean, that's really spectacular. It's, it's, it, it changes the game, I think, from how you go about thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to cook this this week, or I need to grab this at the store. And you can keep, fresh seafood in your freezer for whenever you need it kind of and 
It's, it's really incredible. Yeah, and it's, it's part of our culture a little bit, and, and I don't mean culture uh, that, that's different from other coastal communities across the country. I mean, if you're close to that product, uh, then you grow up knowing about it and have a, a, a pension f- for it. And so that's sort of, you know, we're uh, an outdoors, recreational kind of culture. And, you know, we were on the coast uh, and, and, and we have white sand beaches too, except we call it mud. But <laughs> you got to dig deep enough yeah. to I did get just to the sand. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it was like a, and we would say, you know, at, at port commission meetings, you know, we have this many people in the area, maybe half a million, you know, in this region. And uh, we would speculate, you know, if only X amount of percentage of people want shrimp, we have a, a ready-made market. And all of that was just pure theoretical discussions on our part we didn't know we didn't do studies we didn't do surveys uh but you know we weren't going to just sit around doing nothing we just had to right you hit the streets and and you sort of ask people and and we have no choice we got we have we are going to do something whether it will work or not we don't care we have to try so do you think that you created the demand no 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 It, it was it was a hidden sort of a hidden demand since your it, mom didn't tell you where it, she right, got her yeah you know so and, and yeah and it was anecdotal kind of kind of thing i mean uh just and but you could see it like with crawfish you know if shrimp was comparable to craw we know that what the demand for crawfish is and uh but and the crawfish industry has always been sort of ahead of the the shrimp industry they dealt with the imports themselves and um and they they did with the packaging and and all that sort of sort of thing and uh, that we're doing now. Um, so it, it, we, but as soon, and, and we started in 2010. We we started the program, and it was the year the BP spill, and we had 30 boats signed up, but we only had 10 boats operating that summer because the rest of them went to help with the BP spill. And it turned out that that was a good summer for shrimp. Um, and and when we saw all those people on, on the docks, I mean, it was like, okay, so our theoretical, you know, thoughts of how the demand was, was there turned out to be true. And uh, we actually now, and from the beginning, we said we have to be careful how much we actually promote this because we we will oversell. We, we cannot supply the demand, and that is definitely the case. More and more shrimpers are dropping out. I'm getting very concerned. We're reaching the end of our ability to, to service this particular model, this particular business model. Um, and uh, Does shipping come into play in, in, in areas outside of South Louisiana? So we started packaging and branding our own shrimp pack uh, because that fresh market was doing so well it's like you know maybe we can tack on something and and see if there's a bigger market and a different market so we did that and 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 that does really well we have an online e-commerce website called louisiana direct seafood shop.com 
and um, it, it's doing really well with minimal uh, advertising, but there are similar companies across the country that sell uh, you know a lot of different seafood products that they sell by the you know millions of of pounds I'm sure I don't know you know how they do it but so we're we're following along and and there is a demand for Louisiana seafood and it's and so we're just beginning to tap into that sort of brand you know we we don't call ourselves Delcom Direct Seafood Shop because nobody knows what, who Delcom is except if you're local. Um, so we we went with Louisiana and um, and we expanded this concept of fresh off the boat to other ports in the state. So Louisiana Direct Seafood is the umbrella of all the other ports that do it. We're the most successful. Um, each area has different issues. Uh, with industry and and the shrimpers and that yeah you know it's it's just it's more complicated but um so we decided to get into the package product and and sort of happenstance we said let's do a peeled shrimp product with no chemicals and you know we kind of get into into the processing and the issues with that but so hand peeled shrimp you put it in a bag and you've vacuum pack it and you freeze it that's what you would do if you bought fresh shrimp or if you uh caught your own shrimp you would peel it you would put it in a in a bag and put it in the freezer so we just took that and 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 um you know marketed it that way uh it's got a, a definitely higher price point so it's but people do buy it here don't get me wrong uh but it's people across the country. Many of them have a connection, maybe a prior connection to Louisiana. They want Louisiana seafood, and um, and, and that has been going very well. I mean, uh, so we buy from um, small, what we call microprocessors. These are shrimpers, and they they process their own. They pack their own. It's not a huge mechanized system or. Uh, you know, it's not the big box store of, of seafood. It's your mom and pop, and you know the, the other end of it. It's is supply is is limited. So we, you know, like I said, we can't oversell ourselves. But uh, but right now we're seeing um, people walk stand in line and walk away with no shrimp. You know, that's that's not good. Right. Um, it's you know I, I fear comments and criticism that oh y'all advertise for shrimp and I got and I don't get my shrimp well how do you compete with somebody who waits at six in the morning for that 11 a.m boat I mean it's, it's kind of the same thing as like Black Friday shopping right. essentially yeah. right how can you how can you you know throw any type of shade on the fishermen or the 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 you know people promoting how to buy it I mean you're providing an outlet you're providing an avenue to to really get the best version of of what you can eat and and have of shrimp and i guess you know the people are really just looking to blame anybody else i guess but one of the things i really love about this idea in the food world and culinary arts i've always just treasured the idea of like farm to table boat to table and so now coming here and really seeing people literally line up a boat is fantastic and just awe-inspiring right you're not gonna go and fish your own no. shrimp i mean you need 
I don't even want to appeal it. Like, right. You, you, you really need, you know, the people like you and the port and the fishermen to provide the freshest type of product that they can get. So I don't know how they can complain whenever they could go to a, a grocery store and get it. It won't be the same, but it's, you know, first come first serve kind of deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's a you know I can't tell people to not come and and so I used to worry about that how how and so I tried this experiment uh, I think it was maybe two years ago uh, I know this boat's coming in and I know there's not oh is that the start of COVID um, uh, we were trying to tamp down a little bit on on the man could we worried about COVID. We didn't want lines of people and that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, and, and remember, we didn't start off with social media, uh, but not long after we started, social media came into into mode. And uh, so, I would I would put, we're not going to do our usual posts on social. I mean, we're just going to try to push them to the website. I got more criticism and complaints and comments for doing that it, from the public, you know, because they want they want to see it on their phone right here and now. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, so um, I said, so now my attitude is, OK, whatever. We're going to post it and you can come and you cannot get your shrimp. I don't care. <laughs> That's just the way we the way it is. But. It's uh, a hot ticket. It's a hot yeah. ticket. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta pay to play here. That's it. And, and the early look, bird gets the worm. We it. all know this. It's fine. And look, we try. We've tried to get shrimpers to go up on their prices. I mean, you can get more for your shrimp, but they will not do it. We don't know exactly why. It, it's just they fear. I get. I don't know. They fear criticism from their. You know, they know a lot of these customers. I, I, we can't figure out. We stopped fighting it. Um, but they can definitely get more for, for, their, for their shrimp. So <clears throat> we're not fighting it. You know, we, we just say it is what it is, and it's going to shake out the way it does. But uh, we'll let the market decide what's going to happen. You know, we, we will want manipulate, you know, right. the, the information. And... Um, so, but now one of the things we, we do do this, one of the final points of, uh, of what we do, we have all these boats that are all selling on this one website. And from the beginning, we said we're not going to post prices because then they start cutthroat each other and, and it's a race to the bottom. So from the beginning, we've, that's, that's been our pause and we stick to it. And this is the one thing that, we catch the most hell from the public is why don't you post your prices and you know sometimes i ignore them sometimes i answer but we get so many questions it's just constant i could probably look on my phone now and have you know so so we try to educate them on that and 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 you know it's gotten to where other other followers are telling the other followers, look, they don't post their prices. So stop asking. They got to know what size ice chest to bring. <laughs> so how much they can get this weekend. Exactly. And look, I would love to be able to get them the information that they want. But it would be, 
And all the shrimpers agree, no. You know, right, we right. tell them from the, when we get a new one, we tell them from the start, look, we, we don't. And they say, oh, I, I agree with that, I agree with that. And uh, we would get uh, uh, boats that would be parked next to each other, and they would be maybe 50 cents apart. And so we would ask the guy that had the higher, higher price, you know, you know your, your buddy here is underselling you, you know. He says, well, he's going to run out. And when they when he runs out, they're gonna come to me because there's nowhere else to go. So uh, we have these boats have a lot of leverage. Uh, they're not necessarily using it, um, but uh, we we just let it go like it is. I, I stop fighting it. Right. It's such know. it's such a natural process. I feel I really like you know the way you don't really post too too much, but. You have to wait and see once you make it all the way to the end of the dock, you know, and you and you finally have that interaction with the fisherman who is literally shoveling the shrimp with the ice that he caught out of the Gulf of Mexico into your igloo ice chest or your Yeti if if you got it going on a little bit. But, I mean, that's as farm-to-table boat to table as it as it gets and look there's nothing like posting and you know if you've seen a a shrimp boat and they have these round plastic baskets uh that they put the shrimp in and they'll have you know multiple baskets and sometimes they'll have them on the deck full of shrimp and then or ice down that photo is pure gold if i were to post that photo People, I don't even have to say anything. People are going to come to town like it's a riot. And um, it is, so for a while, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't even post the pictures because they don't read what we tell them in the, in the first place. They look at the pictures and ask, how much? <laughs> so, but. Uh, so you obviously have, have worked really hard over the last 10 years to, to really create a brand with with the South Louisiana culture and and the food culture and there's not just seafood that you can come and purchase there's many other vendors there each month selling many different things um and food or preservatives or or any kind of other you know honey or grass-fed beef you know all of these are are at this specific market like like you could get it probably any other market all over the country. But I guess what, what you're able to do in, in South Louisiana is you can really just come and you meet these people and you meet where this product is being made and, and you, you see for yourself, you know, if that is the product that you want to put at your table for your family. And it, it's, it's really special. I mean, for people that haven't been to a farmer's market, this one alone is, is just one of the most unique because you get – sort of the the seafood and the dry goods that you can leave with and yeah and and, and crafts um you know uh, all sorts of crafts people are really talented um but in you know to be in delcom the, the the population centers are 10 20 miles away and if you're in a downtown area well it's easy to have a farmer's market every week or twice a week or whatever people are just going to show up it's convenient and people like that kind of interaction like you're saying with the product and the vendor but they're not going to come to delcom to do that they'll you know um 
So we make it uh, an event, uh, and we have it monthly, uh, you know, not weekly, or we just don't think it it would be the same. Um, it makes it more special and sure. something unique. And yeah. from a nutrition side, do you think that these products are benefiting, I guess, the overall health of of these areas in, in this state? Well, yeah, absolutely. I've always loved shopping at farmer's markets because getting local produce to me has always tasted the best. And I also know because it's grown locally, it's going to have more nutritional value than something that was harvested two to three weeks ago and imported and sprayed with who knows what. Uh, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, it was maybe two weeks in a row that I had to get tomatoes from a local grocer. And I was so upset and winded up throwing some away. The next batch was also horrible. I was able to like upcycle it into some kind of sauce and somewhat save it, but the taste of produce is so completely different. What I really also enjoy is getting to meet people and hearing how passionate about their products they are, whether it's growing produce or smoking cheese or you know making seasoning blends and what inspired them to do that and how excited they are to share that vocation and passion with others like food connects people you know everything that we do in life there's always food involved we're celebrating birthdays or weddings we're grieving it's a funeral you know we have a we get a promotion or we graduate there's always parties there's always food food connects people and so just hearing their stories and how much love and of themselves they pour into their product, you can't buy that at Rouse's or Super One or Walmart or anywhere else. I mean, this is quality, quality product. And it's not any more expensive than anything you would get anywhere else, but I take that home and I feel confident that I'm giving my body what it needs and I make a beautiful dish. And that's a way of me showing love to my family as well. That's amazing. And, and honestly, you know, the, the trial and error that these farmers and, and they go through to, to probably get that product that they're really proud of to, to bring to that market for, for that one specific Saturday is, is, is really special. And, and I, I just can't say enough how, you know, this, this specific market is, is really just one of the most unique that I've ever seen. And, and the products there and the community there, it really... I think it rubs off and I really do think it rubs off into what we're talking about and, and trying to boost health and wellness and just trying to inform and, and really just present new knowledge to our listeners. And, and, uh, I'm just really grateful to have Laurel here and Wendell here. And, um, this is our first official introduction episode and, uh, we're really happy to bring this future podcast called hold the gravy and that's uh that's a collective name that we all sort of came together and i think it i think it speaks volume i think it has a lot of different levels to it you know it's kind of conceptualizes what we cook obviously down here in south louisiana what 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 our creole ancestors have have cooked for us and many different family traditions and laurel you're not from too far i know florida's a a different world but no i'm just kidding it's not too different but a little bit i can't pronounce anything here yet but i'm I'm working on it well but to speak to what you're saying um about the many different meanings and layers of the name hold the gravy it's 
you know, gravy to me, it's, to everyone, it's, it's the good stuff, right? But holding the gravy, like, you're consciously making maybe a better health decision. If not, that's okay. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Um, but then also speaking to the culture and just the rich deliciousness of not only the people in the community, but the food here as well. It's, it's, it's gravy. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we love, like I say, we love our rice and gravy, you know, and uh, whenever, maybe I shouldn't say this, but whenever we see someone on TV that's, you know, a bit overserved, you know, we, we have this saying, man, push away from, push away the rice and gravy a little bit every now and then, you know, <laughs> but, um, but all the food we have, you know, and it's just, you know, the gumbos and the gravies and uh, the etouffees and, you know, for the most part, it's, it's not necessarily healthy, right? And when I was growing up, we had uh, rice and gravy literally every day. I mean, it, that's just what we ate. And um, so we, we, it's part of our culture, and we want to be able to show one of the, one of the features is try to show people how you can cook the same dish, uh, but in a healthy way. I mean, there are a lot of options that you can use, and is is going to taste the same? No, probably not. But it, it, it's going to be about as close as you can get. And and so we have our, uh, you know, our culinary faults here in Louisiana but you know it's the same in other places out in the Midwest they have their their steak and potatoes and in the east they have their pulled pork in California they have their cocaine and <laughs> <laughs> substitutes yes that's, that's what we're looking for yeah, is substitutes. Uh, just substitutes of, of you know better life choices yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, and uh, you know, we're very happy to have Laurel uh, come on. We want to use the leverage of the popularity of, of our market to be able to, because we, we started seeing people with con health concerns and, and, um, and, and you know, it's not, it's not that you're going to necessarily live longer, um, but it's a quality of life and, you know, we see you know, people in their 50s, 60s suddenly pass away. You know, like we had um, a popular coach here at UL pass away suddenly. Uh, and, you know, we don't know what his story was, but but it, it's very likely we've seen it over and over again that uh, it's heart disease or something along those lines. And I, and, and I like to use my health as a as an example because I know if I have it there's a lot of other people that have it I mean let's let's face it um, so that's what we wanted to do is just try to help people as much as possible if I may talk some boring nerdy numbers for two seconds uh, so in the 90s we had the food pyramid uh, the average population that was obese or overweight was at tops maybe 35 for 1990 you can track all of this on the CDC website, and it'll show you every year how obesity, so a BMI of over 30 or anything over 27 has risen. This year, presently, 80% of the nation, 80% of the nation is either overweight or obese. So they have a BMI of 27 or higher. So statistically being uh, also, one out of 10 is diabetic, 
one out of 10 has cardiovascular disease, and one out of four will get cancer in their lifetime. It's huge. It's not just that we have to eat healthy and pay attention to nutrition in order to look, lose weight, in order to look better or feel better. It's, it's vital to prevent you know, future diseases and health concerns. Uh, and so we had the food pyramid. Now, thankfully, we have the MyPlate method. Uh, but that's one of the things that I love about coming here and being involved with this team is to help them look at some of these recipes and see how we can offer some different alternatives. So if I may back up two seconds, I, I actually grew up with my grandparents. Uh, my granddaddy raised and grew most of the produce that I had growing up. We had chickens, we had turkeys, we had guineas, and I had a very sweet childhood and full of wonderful produce and learned how to eat healthy but as a little girl I saw firsthand the effects of you know having diabetes having cardiovascular disease how that affected them you know maybe last minute they weren't able to you know attend a field trip with me or something like that or they're tired whatever it may be uh, and then a new, in kindergarten a nutritionist came it was career day we had somebody each week talk about you know different things they did and she basically seemed, made it seem like a magic show, but basically about how healthy eating can help transform your lives and not only prevent disease states, but reverse them. And I just was so excited about that. Uh, my parents got me posters, and even as a small child, I could tell you, you could tell me any vitamin, I could tell you the foods that you know, was, it was prevalent in. And so I've always been passionate about nutrition and healthy eating. And then the other side of that is my, my dad is an executive chef. So when I was not in school with my grandparents and having to pick chicken eggs and complaining, uh, I got to go see amazing four and five star restaurants and eat amazing food and experience food culture all over the world. And so I just obviously fell in love with food even more, but some of those foods obviously aren't the most helpful. And so tying like culinary arts, but also with nutrition and health and finding a way that you can keep the flavor, you can keep the aesthetic, but it's also something that's offering nutrition to your body uh, is all really important to me. So one of the things that I, I do uh, for the Delcom Seafood Farmers Market is look at their recipes and analyze them. And so I'm offering five different alternatives. One is a low fat, one is a low carb, uh, one is low sodium, uh, gluten-free and dairy-free options to include people that have food allergies as well. But just to kind of open your eyes that, okay, yes, you can still have food and flavor, something that's enjoyable, something that's still like stick to your ribs good, but you don't have to worry about your waistline while having that into you. That's, I think a lot, you know, a lot of knowledge can, can definitely be presented to many of people in South Louisiana just, just for substitutions and, and, you know, like you're saying, low sodium and it's not drastic changes that, that really do it, but it's those little things over, over time that if you're committed to it and you're committed to the art of, of, of this, cause I really do think it is, is an art to not only eat the right things, but prepare the right things on your own in your own kitchen. I know for a lot of people that's that's sort of intimidating. Um, people that live on their own, you know, people that provide for a family. I, I, I can imagine that, that it gets hairy, you know, seven nights a week trying to come up with new 
sort of recipes and, and to keep your kids happy and to keep them from eating McDonald's French fries every time. I mean, there's just a lot of easy options that this whole country has sort of made available at all times for a quick bite or a quick sort of taste bud that you're, you know, you're trying, you're chasing, you're chasing that McDonald's quarter pounder, like sometimes, you know, and, and some people don't know how to look at another option. And, and I think, uh, I just really, I think the health and wellness of, of what this entire country, like you're saying, I mean, the numbers is, is speaking for themselves since only about 20 years ago. And, yeah. and you know, but people don't like to think, I mean, you know, they, uh, like eating lunch or eating supper, they don't want to have to think about it. I mean, because you know it it kind of drains you a little bit. If so, that's why it's so convenient to go to McDonald's or to what whatever and uh, and get your fast food or get food quickly or go to a restaurant so you don't have to think about preparing. Because when you do have to prepare, you I mean it's you know you have to try to figure out okay what. You know, what do I need? Where's the recipe? I have to go shopping. Uh, and and it's, it's, it can be, and if you're a busy parent uh, who, who isn't, um, it, it gets to be almost impossible at times. And that's why people want the convenience. It's not that they're lazy or whatever. It's just we're not built that way to, to think about everything we do. You know, to think through everything we do, it's 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 just reaction. You know, and so you react to you know to those kind of things. And uh, but it, if you're gonna eat healthy, there's no doubt that um, you're gonna have to plan better. And 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 Laura can help us understand some of the tricks and tips. And there's a lot of information out there um, to to help you do that. So. Um, that's exactly right. I'm excited to see what the rest of this this podcast honestly brings and all these different episodes to to uh, different ways to really just improve our own bodies, our own minds, and, and hopefully some people can listen and, and catch on and maybe think they want to transform their own life, you know? I'm excited to be a part of it and share my knowledge and passion for food and nutrition. And so many people just don't want to bother or as Wendell was speaking to, you know, they come home and they have kids or we have a whole demographic that are busy professionals that their schedules change. They have pop-up meetings or they have luncheons or they have frequent travel. And it's, it makes it difficult not knowing what to do. And we all think that we have to deprive ourselves or follow strict diets or different things to achieve our nutritional goals. And that's not the case. I love burgers as much as the next person. But what that may look like for me or if somebody I'm working with or to encourage them to develop healthier habits in their life, maybe that looks like, okay, skip the bun and maybe have just a few fries or have the burger and instead of fries or other sides, you know, just do a small side salad. There's ways that you can still go out and there's ways that you can still enjoy the foods that you love and still achieve your nutritional goals and still have flavor and still have enjoyment without feeling deprived. And that really is, is what hold the gravy I think is, is going to tell us and, and tell all of you. And we're excited. We really are here in South Louisiana and we really just want to bring what we 
can bring to the rest of the country and the rest of the world to all these listeners and uh you know it's hot down here it's hot down here today and thank you for bearing with us with uh the lawn crew outside of our location today you might hear them uh, pop in every now and then but uh laurel and wendell i can't thank you enough and this uh this is going to be really fun i'm I'm excited to see what the rest of the future sort of holds for this thank you hunter we we appreciate what you do as well thank you hunter good things coming hey 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 once again welcome back later this fall Hold the Gravy podcast will be teaming up with Bayou Tesh Museum. They will have a new exhibit titled Water Ways. This will be presented by the Smithsonian Institution. To learn more, visit BayouTeshMuseum.org. Hold the Gravy podcast will also be setting up live at the World Gumbo Cook-Off Championship on October 9th and 10th. If you want to make a trip to Delcom, Louisiana, I'd suggest coming down to our market the first Saturday of each month through December. If you aren't in our region, you can order fresh Gulf seafood from any of these websites, delcommarket.org, delcomdirectseafood.com, louisianadirectseafoodshop.com. There's nothing like seafood straight out of the Gulf of Mexico. Anywhere on the globe, you can order our fresh seafood to your freezer. And let me tell you, what they're doing for Delcom, Louisiana, and for the shrimp market and for the region of the people that actually visit this farmer's market, it's it's truly spectacular. It's it's nothing like I've ever experienced before. It's the only port in the United States that has a dock next to the farmer's market where shrimp boats pull up and dump shrimp straight from the Gulf into your ice chest. And you take that and you bring it straight to your house and you put it in your freezer for the entire season. You can cook a shrimp etouffee literally whenever you want. You want to have a shrimp boil? You open up your freezer. They're there once a month dumping shrimp into your ice chest. What you want? Five pounds, 10 pounds, 40 pounds? They got it for you. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. There's no better definition of farm-to-table cooking and eating.